pranam to you all and welcome back to the series of lectures chanting as the prayer of the heart like always i will start today by reciting a few All right, sorry about the short interruption. I had to make some adjustments with the with the stream. But um, but yeah, like like I was saying, um, like always, I will start uh, today by reciting a few prayers as a blessing uh, for our meeting. Um, and uh, I'm thinking that these prayers they are build, they are kind of building a shelter, a kind of a, a kind of like a safe house where we can meet in the middle of these troubled times, share our thoughts and share our hearts. So you are welcome to join these prayers. Omma kyana timirandhasya kyananjana salakaya saksurun militam kena tasmaisri kuravenamaha Vansa kalpata rupiasca, kripa sindhupia evatsa, patitanam pana vepio, vaisna vepio namo namaham. Vande Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Nityananda usahodito, kododae puspavanto, citro sando tamonudo. Vande ham Sri Ramakrishna Payat Saranastako Sukado Paramanando Sundaro Subalapriyom Arernam 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 Eva Kevalam Kalaunastieva Nastieva Nastieva Katiranyata Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Uh, so today we will talk about our spiritual path in relation to chanting. How do we enter into the realm of, of, of the sacred names of God? So we will talk about um, the initiation into Gaudiya tradition, and uh, we will talk about the divine knowledge that comes to us in the form of uh, the scriptures and our teachers, and how that knowledge protects our chanting, helps us to appreciate the name even more, and supports the growth of love in us. Also today, we will touch slightly some other mantras that are kind of surrounding and protecting the most essential mantra of all, the Maha Mantra. And uh, we are shortly meeting some role models for, for chanting. So welcome again. And let's explore together the beautiful world of chanting. And at the end of uh, my introduction or my talk, I hope we can again share some experiences about chanting uh, in any kinds of things and experiences that have incre increased your commitment to your ideal or otherwise been encouraging for your spiritual or personal growth. It would be wonderful to hear that kind of words of encouragement uh, and, and share them with, within, within our group. Uh, I, will some, uh, I will shortly um, uh, make, make a uh, short uh, summary of, of the last talk. So last time we focused on the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna Mantra, that we are chanting under the protection of Sri Sri Gauranitai, their closest associates and our spiritual teachers. Uh, we talked about the sacred names that are so much more than just tools to focus our mind. For us, uh, Gaudiya's uh, Hare Krishna Mantra consists of the names of our beloved that we are calling with great affection, like we are calling our best friend uh, or, or our child or our lover. 
And uh, for us, for us, chanting is about building um, little by little a deep, personal, meaningful relationship with the divine and learning to love unconditionally. And we also talked last time about the three names of the mantra, Hare, Krishna and, and um, Rama. So even if the mantra externally is same for all of us, uh, we might be calling different aspects of the divine when we are repeating the holy names. The inner reality can be different. And, um, and also the, the uh, center of gravity and uh, the center of our attention might change when we grow and learn to understand better our personal unique relationship with God. And then at the end of the last talk, uh, we talked about the meaning of the mantra, uh, which my spiritual grandfather, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, connected with the mood to serve. And uh, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur saw the growth of love from tender faith to, uh, to the divine overflowing love hidden inside of the its mantra, like all this process from the very beginning, from the seed of faith until the full blossoming love inside of its mantra. And uh, Jiva Goswami connected the mantra with Krishna Lila, where Sri Krishna and Sri Radharani are stealing each other's hearts, hearts. And that's actually our bridge to today's theme the importance of the initiation into chanting. Because in order to realize those kind of deep insights in the mantra, we need spiritual education about our ideal and our goal and about the means of how to get there. My Guru Maharaj uh, Swami Bhaktivedanta Triburari says often that um, to love someone means to know that special person. So love Krishna means to know Krishna. So how do we get to know Krishna? The point that our scriptures and teachers are making over and over again is that the finite, a human being, can understand infinite God only if infinite chooses to reveal themselves. So divine knowledge, the uh, the knowledge truly worth knowing descends to us from the land of faith, from the land of love, in the form of our scriptures and spiritual teachers. So, in a way, God alone can give us understanding and guide us on our search. And uh, he chooses to do it through a particular agent. Uh, this is something that I, I like to think, uh, I personally like to think kind of like along these lines, like, let's say there's someone whom I don't know, but I would like to get to know, know better. And uh, I, I'm a little bit unsure, perhaps, how, how to make the first move, how, how to try to build the connection. And then I find out that actually one of my good friends knows that person and knows, knows that person fairly well. They are kind of close and uh, they spend a lot of time together. So in that, so in that case, I'm um, likely to approach first my friend and ask if she or he could introduce me to the new person. Of course, I could just walk, walk there and introduce myself. But if I'm able to get some help from a friend, I'm so much better off. I'm kind of borrowing uh, some good qualities of my friend and uh, that special person whom I would like to get to know better is seeing me through their friendship. Uh, so uh, so that, that's kind of a mundane example, but, uh, but in the same way, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, like um, seeing also, also the um, way of approaching, approaching God. Asking for initiation is sometimes seen as a very big deal and a very big decision. I know quite a few devotees who have been chanting and participating in devotional activities for many years, and they still haven't got the official initiation. And of course, uh, each of us has a story of our 
own, the very concept of uh, accepting a guru or, or yeah, the, the whole concept of spiritual teacher guru uh, might be challenging uh, for us, especially for us who have a Western background. Or we might have some unfortunate uh, previous experiences about how, how we trusted and how, how our trust was misused and exploited by authorities or, or other people who were close to us. And, um, uh, or, we, or we might be really hard on ourselves uh, and think that we are not worthy enough uh, to approach a guru, guru, we are so so. We have so little value that we can't really make that kind of step forward. So there's always a story behind each person and behind each situation, and uh, and my intention is not uh, uh, not to cause any pressure or to make pressure to make that kind of commitments that uh, uh, that don't come natural naturally. Uh, but um, but more the point I would like to make is that um, uh, that sometimes I get a little bit the feeling that uh, aspiring devotees, and I totally recognize myself in this description as well, some back some years ago. Um, so uh, so sometimes aspiring devotees we feel that we need to be very advanced in our practice before we feel that we can ask for the help from our teachers. And this is actually a kind of paradox because uh, we need help in order to advance, in order to know anything, in order to understand the compassion of God and God's names. So, so it's, it's not that like um, uh, we don't approach our teacher with a perfect CV. We bring our helplessness and confusion. We cry for help because we realize that we need it. We, we, we are not making it alone. So it's, it's really our humility and our willingness to learn, our willingness to challenge our own way of thinking and, uh, and, um, and, and that kind of things that uh, will build the connection to our teachers. So um, um, a spiritual guide is like a reflection of our ideal appearing before us. Uh, we see them, we hear from them, and little by little we start feeling that there is something special here. We feel that we want to see the world like they are seeing it. We want to know God like they are knowing, knowing God. We want to follow in their footsteps on the path that leads uh, to our destination. Like Guru Maharaj Swami Bhaktivedanta Tripurari has written in his book, uh, Joy of Self, the following words. I quote, How shall we find such an affectionate guardian? Because the path of devotion and transcendence has been traveled by others, a map has been charted and left for us to follow. On that map, first and foremost, we are directed to the information counter, sacred literature, charts our quarters, and in doing so, points us in the direction of Sri Guru, the, cap the captain of our ship. From sacred literature, we can learn the qualifications of the agent of the absolute, and therein we are implored to take her or his shelter. With these two, map and guide, scripts and guru, on the boat of, boat of our human birth, fueled by the wind of our own sincerity, we are well e equipped to cross the ocean of material suffering and reach the shore of uh, eternal joy. When I first met uh, the devotees uh, some, some years back, uh, on our first meeting, basically I think it was, it was the very first, first meeting, that they gave me Java beads, chanting beads, and uh, they also gave me Maha Mantra on the small piece of paper and told that I should try, try chanting. I didn't know anything about Krishna. I, I'm not sure if I, I had heard that name before. I didn't know anything about Gaudiya philosophy. 
and yet there I was <laughs> sitting at the temple temple floor and uh, trying out chanting. And now that I'm looking back, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for those devotees that introduced me first to the most compassionate form of God. Uh, that was kind of an agnostic time in my life. And um, I, I, I wouldn't have been very open, open for, for theology or, or any like uh, philosophical teachings about, about God, even though I felt this kind of inner longing. And uh, I, I was thinking that uh, there has to be more in, 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 in more to this world that, than the eye can see. Uh, it is said, it is said that um, Eastern spiritual traditions in general are kind of more method-oriented than the Western spiritual traditions. Basically, like you can try the method and see if it's working for yourself. And if it works, well, then you have found the truth. That's, that's of course, a very like sim simplistic way of, of saying it. And, um, and um, it can be argued also differently. But, um, but there's also some, at least some truth to that, um, that approach from Western point of view, that's called pragmatic theory of truth. Like if it works for you, if it brings something good into your life without causing harm to anyone else, it's worth exploring more. So, so the holy name of God is easily approachable and independent in a way that we can start repeating it whenever, even without any knowledge or of what we are doing. And uh, then later on, on we might feel, uh, I'm certainly feeling like this, that wow, they actually gave this extremely valuable piece of art for a child to play with. Why would they do something like that? I'm not sure if I would, <laughs> but, um, but I still can't think of any other reason uh, why, why those devotees did it, that they did it um, uh, out of compassion. Perhaps they realized how much they had got, how deeply grateful they were for the teachers of their own. And because of that, they wanted to give it forward. So um, like, like I already mentioned, um, uh, the recommendation in the scriptures all over is that um, is to find a spiritual guide from whom we can ask for help and guidance so that we will find the right path and uh, we will be able to cross the ocean of life that is quite big and uh, sometimes windy. So the question arises, who is, who is a guru? My spiritual grandfather, Srila Bhakti Deva Goswami Maharaj answers this question. Only one who will exclusively guide me to Krishna and Mahaprabhu with devotion, she or he is my guru, whatever she or he may be. Only one who will exclusively guide me to Krishna and Mahaprabhu with devotion. And, um, and also like it's written in Jaitanya Charitamrita, Anyone, regardless of caste or social position, may become guru if she or he knows the science of Krishna. Then on the other hand, uh, something is asked uh, also from us who are approaching a spiritual teacher. According to Sridhar Maharaj, we can approach the absolute truth only with an attitude of humility, sincerity and dedication. So these three, three ideals need to be there, at least in, in, in some form. So first we ask our, our spiritual teacher, we ask for help. We ask to be, we ask that we can learn, learn from them. And then at the time of initiation, we bow down before our teachers and they whisper the most beautiful names of God right into our ear and give us Jabba beads that, uh, with which they have chanted those names before. So when, when we chant later, 
with the same beads, we are in a very concrete way chanting together with our guide and following in her or his footsteps. Uh, the initiation represents the fo uh, formal joining into a spiritual tradition, into a spiritual family. And uh, I like to think at I like to think that um, at that moment, at the moment of initiation, we are seen by our teacher, our spiritual guide for who we really are. And we are accepted as we are to the family. Sridhar Maharaj often talks about how we should not judge each other or ourselves based on our past, past or even the present, but always see ourselves and each other in the light of, of our potential and our, our ideal. So in a way, that's what's happening uh, at the point of initiation. Our guide is seeing us in that way, and uh, it can be a really powerful, powerful experience. And, um, and I think it's also something that we can get back to in our mind later on those moments when we might feel that we are perhaps not really seen or not really understood by our spiritual guides or our god brothers and god sisters at the psychological level or or in the role that we are playing out in this life and uh, in our spiritual family sometimes we ourselves are projecting all kinds of expectations towards our teachers and, and towards the other members of our family it's like we are not uh, satisfied like in relation to our teachers it, it might be that um, we are not quite satisfied only with the spiritual service for us but uh, we are kind of expecting them to serve us also as our personal psychotherapists this kind of things happen happen easily easily it's it's very human it's very human to expect expect things from others and 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 be disappointed when we are not receiving receiving exactly what we imagined in our minds i'm pretty sure that uh, anyone who has been living close to other people in a family in partnership in community can recognize this kind of situation and uh, like like unspoken expectations towards others or towards ourselves. But anyway, even if that kind of moments come up, uh, we can always return in our mind to remembering that uh, our teacher is seeing us for who we really are. And uh, she or he is seeing our potential, our bright future. Uh, just like she or he is uh, reminding us of our ideal. And in, in, in that way, we can say, say uh, that uh, our teachers are our most sincere and helpful friends, um, like, uh, like it is stated in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, because uh, they are reminding us um, of our beloved who is not present at the moment in our life. So after initiation, we will not be alone. Our spiritual guides, guides are there. We are accepted. We are accepted to a family that has a big family tree. There are so many saints, so many teachers who have lived before, and whom we can get to know through stories and in some cases through their writings. It could be that uh, some some of them come really close to us like like do you ever get the feeling when you are reading a book that it is like a friend talking to you from another time so so there can be this kind of feeling and feeling of connection and uh, belonging there is a saying that uh, we don't choose our family but uh, in, in the spiritual sense we kind of do uh, we choose a group of people uh, where we can feel certain like-mindedness with others. Or like uh, Swami Bhakti Abhay Ashram Maharaj is, has said, like-hearted, like-hearted people. I really like that point that he recently made about the, uh, the like-hearted people. Um, so, so there's the feeling that uh, this is a good group to make my journey with 
Here I can be myself, sometimes strong in my faith, sometimes weak, and I'm still accepted for who I am. I have space to grow, and my, and, and my personal, and spirit, personal and spiritual growth is either supported by others, or at the minimum, it is not discouraged or pushed down. So it's, it is the feeling with these devotees, I don't have to be afraid to open my mouth and uh, speak up my thoughts. So after we have been accepted to a spiritual family, we are never really alone. Of course, there might be times that we are living far away from each other, or times when we ourselves feel, feel need for some distance and solitude. But even then, we know that we are not alone. There are others who are walking the same path and reaching for the same goal and ideal. There's always someone somewhere repeating the same mantra, and we can chant together in our minds. We can come together to listen to the lecturers, even though we are living far away from each other. So from our, our spiritual teacher, from our guide, we are receiving the mantra, the instructions, how to chant, the seed of faith that, that starts growing in us. And through them, we learn to know God, our Krishna, Krishna Chaitanya. We learn to know the true meaning of life and, and uh, all the knowledge, the birth of knowing. Our relationship with God is personal. It is a bit different from each and every one of us. And in the same way, our relationship with our Gurudev is also a bit different. Her or his recommendations and guidance can be a bit different depending on where we are at our spiritual journey. And the spirit of our Gaudiya tradition, it's quite flexible. Like, like we spoke in the first class of the series, there are no hard and fast rules for chanting. And uh, the instructions for practice can also be adjusted according to the person and situation. The mood is not so much that there is only one frame and you have to fit in there, but the frame can be adjusted. Sridhar Maharaj uh, has said that the newcomers are coming with their faith and their faith should be encouraged and also adjusted so that the faith of one person may not disturb another. So there's a need for some adjustments. For, for example, one example from, from back in the days regarding the, regarding the number of, of uh, rounds that we're chanting daily as part of our spiritual daily practice. Uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, my spiritual great-grandfather, great asked his students generally to chant 16 rounds of Mahamantra uh, daily. However, four rounds daily was the minimum. And then also, of course, some of his students chanted 64 rounds or even more. And, um, and someone once asked uh, Sridhar Maharaj, it, it was, was this really true? Like, did, did Bhaktisiddhanta really give initiation for someone who would chant for rounds daily? And uh, Sridhar Maharaj answered, I quote from his book, what he wanted from us was intense engagement in the service of the Lord under the guidance of a Vaishnav, because the all-important point is service. Our attainment of the goal is not ensured simply by increasing the number of times we repeat the name, only by increasing, increasing the quality we will reach success. So it's all about the quality, the inner meaning, meaning and, and not so much about the outside, outside part. Some more words, um, uh, this time from uh, Bhagavad Gita, where we are advised in the fourth chapter. Just approach the wise and bona fide spiritual master, surrender into, unto her, him first, and try to understand her, him by inquiries and service. Such a wise spiritual master will enlighten you with transcendental knowledge, for she or he has already known the absolute truth. 
my other spiritual grandfather, Srila Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, has written the following words in relation to spiritual guide. I quote, we should hear the gurus patiently, follow them in the measure of our conviction, and bow down at their lotus feet for releasing us from our present causeless unwillingness for serving the absolute and all souls. I like these three points quite a lot. Uh, first, hearing the teacher patiently. Uh, this word patiently catches my attention. We need some patience, especially in the beginning, we might feel that we don't understand anything what our spiritual teacher is saying. And later we realize that in, in, in even a more painful way that we don't really understand the teaching, because if we did, we actually would act accordingly. So we need patience, especially towards ourselves. Uh, my Guru Maharaj, Bhaktivedanta Tripurari Swami often gives this uh, recommendation that uh, when you are hearing a class, try to find one thing in each class that will help you to build the temple in your heart. And, um, and I, I have found that a really nice exercise, like finding one thing, even one, one little simple thing that somehow is speaking to me right now and somehow is supporting and encouraging the spiritual practice that uh, I, I'm trying to engage myself in. And uh, I'm thinking that this same advice can also be used in relation to our chanting like trying to find something, even a small thing that will inspire our chanting today here in the specific moment and life situation where I am at the moment. For example, uh, Guru Nista Prabhu was giving a class a couple of weeks ago about Namabhas, about chanting at the practitioner's level, where we have some commitment, but we are also making mistakes and losing the sight of our ideal every now and then. And he told a story about a small en encounter with his Guru Maharaj, who had told him that uh, even our mind is clouded, the sun is still there, even though we, we, we are not seeing the sun. And um, I, I really loved that little story that he told. And uh, after that, I included uh, that that story for for some time in in my practice, and uh, I I got back to it every now and then, like like um, like especially at the moments when I I felt that oh I I can't see anything but these dark clouds hang, hanging <laughs> hanging close to the ground. So I so I I I I'm thinking that the metaphor is really beautiful. The the sun that is always there, Krishna Chaitanya is always there, and but uh, then there are also like other layers to the story, because uh, when I'm I'm thinking about the story, I'm also thinking about my Guru Maharaj, who was able to encourage my God brother and my gratitude towards. Um, um, my Guru Maharaj grows when I think about that. And uh, I'm also grateful to my God brother who shared this kind of um, a private moment moment um, with his Guru Maharaj. And uh, I'm so all this kind of bundles together in my mind. Uh, the nature of transcendental knowledge is such that uh, it is challenging many thought constructions that we have, have had before. The logic of love, um, in a way, it is simple, something that we instinctively feel to be true. But when we try to talk about it, we notice that it, it kind of slips through. We often notice that it kind of slips through our fingers. So also in relation to that, we need patience. And uh, the other things that Srila Prabhupada listed in his quote were, follow our teachers in the measure of our conviction. Uh, we often hear uh, stories about great saints who have left everything they had and followed their teachers just like that right away. But it is important to remember that we can't do anything artificially. It has to come naturally, like, like um, 
like yeah yeah our scriptures warn us so often about pushing ourselves too hard or doing things that don't come naturally to us it's it's okay to push uh ourselves uh and and even recommend recommended to push ourselves a little bit kind of test ourselves whether we can do something whether we can learn something new whether we can try try out something new uh we can try um try kind of the level or or the measure of our conviction and uh no matter how how that kind of trial goes we learn we learn and uh, that's valuable itself so so yeah follow the follow our teachers in the measure of our conviction as much as we are able to at the moment with the trust and feeling that uh, we we can learn we can learn more also in that regard little by little in a good company and uh, then the third point Srila Prabhupada was making was to bow down at our spiritual teacher's lotus feet for releasing us from our present causeless unwillingness for serving the absolute and all souls. And I'm thinking that uh, sometimes we might rebel against uh, some of these rituals that we are following, like, for example, uh, bowing down before another person might be in the beginning something that you need to think about a little bit it, it might look like a foreign thing from a western point of view but um, there's a reason and teaching connected with everything that we do and uh, like like Srila Prabhupada points out our ideal is to serve the divine absolute and also all souls we can't learn to love God without learning compassion and love for devotees and for everyone. Uh, Srila Prabhupada continues, sitting at the feet of the Gurudev, let us try to understand from this transcendental source of knowledge what we are, what is this universe, what is God, and what is our relationship with him. Last time we spoke shortly about the Panchatattva Mantra, how we are approaching the holy names of the Lord with the blessing of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates and Vaisnava devotees of the Lord. And we spoke about the five truths that are hidden in the mantra and, and that are helping us to appreciate more the depths of the holy name of the God. And there are other mantras as well uh, to guide our journey. When we grow in our faith uh, and feel a call, to get connected to the tradition even deeper way, we are receiving other mantras, diksha mantras from our teacher. Srila Bhakti Raksaksritar Maharaj is calling it the inner awakening of the soul. So um, diksha is a call to go deeper and understand deeper the core essence of our spiritual wisdom from the point of view of Gaudiya theology. Uh, within the mantras that we receive uh, is the concentrated essence of Srimad Bhagavatam. And then there are little prayers with which we are asking to understand deeper the three main teachings or truths of uh, Gaudiya tradition. So three times daily, we are kind of stopping what we are doing and withdrawing ourselves from the world and from our duties and taking a short moment with our God and with our teacher. We are remembering the most essential truths of our tradition, bowing our heads um, down humbly and asking for more understanding of these principal truths so that the divine revelation can enliven us and start changing us from within. The idea is uh, that uh, we start our practice, our spiritual practice with Maha Mantra, the Hare Krishna Mantra. And then with the help from the other mantras, we get to know what the, what the Hare Krishna Mantra is actually all about. We learn to know the principle of Guru. We learn to know Krishna Chaitanya. And, and through them, we learn to know Radha and Krishna Vrindavan. We learn to know the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam uh, that will guide us in all of our reading and studying the scriptures. 
and all that knowledge that we gain, we include in our chanting so that our gratitude and our love grows. The ice walls around our hearts are melting down and the beautiful flowers of faith and love start blooming. Like Sridhar Maharaj points out, the main goal of the Diksa Mantras is to deepen our practice, to strengthen our chanting, to help us to appreciate the Maha Mantra even more. Another point about Diksa initiation that I would like to um, talk about today is that um, it kind of invites us to enter the realm of rituals, not only as an experiencer, but, but as, a, as a servant of the ceremony. In some occasions, uh, you might have a master of ceremony, someone who is leading and controlling the, a certain event, kind of keeping all the, all the ropes in her hands. But, uh, but that is not really, really the style of Gaudiya tradition. We are servants, no matter in which kind of role we are playing our part. My Guru Maharaj uh, describes, has described rituals as moments where our world and transcendental world meet. And, uh, and with the power of Diksha Mantras and, uh, and most of all with the power of our Gurudev, Dev's blessing, we can open that kind of sacred place, not, for our, not only for ourselves, but for others as well to join and participate. If we look at the spirit of the time, the zeitgeist of our Western culture, there is a lot of emphasis and focus on individual mental development. Like in working life, for example, they are teaching, teaching, all, teaching all kinds of techniques to be how to be more efficient and, um, um, and uh, what kind of tools there are to control and manage our time better. Or if you feel that you're not able to do as much work as you are asked, often the approach is not to take some of the workload away, but the focus is often on the person who is who, who asked. Like, how can we train you to do the impossible thing instead of um, um, seeing what, what is there really to be done? And, um, and also there are many new spiritual movements nowadays where the focus is very much on your own mental growth. It's like you will need just one more pretty expensive course that you are able to unlock your hidden potential. So, and, um, and well, generally, I think that uh, it is important and in most cases beneficial to get to know yourself better. But if there's nothing more beyond your own self, it is, uh, it is a very lonely, lonely path. So in Gaudiya tradition, our, our message in, in middle of these uh, individual tendencies of our time, it's very different. We are carried and we are encouraged by our association, by example of our saints and the teachings of our spiritual guides. And through the initiation, we are welcomed to the bigger spiritual family. So suddenly we have, we have a lot of siblings, cousins, great aunts, and so many legendary figures of our spiritual family tree. My, my biological grandmother passed away years ago, but I still remember some of the guidance and wisdom that she shared with me. And uh, I remember some encouraging words from the teachers in high school, for example. So I think that in the same way, we can return to the writings and songs of the saints of our tradition, and we can be inspired by them and uh, by their life stories in the middle of our daily lives. Uh, and um, so I'm, uh, so next I will be uh, telling shortly about a couple of, um, couple of uh, important figures of our tradition who, who are encouraging my chanting before then slowly coming to the end of this class. I like hiking a lot. I, I, I walk in the forest space in like on, on a daily basis, sometimes shortly for 15 minutes, sometimes for a whole day. 
And often I like to chant in the middle of the nature where you can hear the wind, the humming of the tree leaves, some singing of the birds, perhaps buzzing of a bee. And uh, in the middle of those, that magical world of nature, I'm remembering Haridas Thakur, the most expert chanter of Gaudiya tradition. On one occasion, he was challenged and uh, asked by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if the name of God is so compassionate and powerful, as we are saying, how about the trees and plants? How could they be delivered? And Haridas Thakur made the point that uh, the holy name really is able to deliver anyone. He said that when he was chanting in the nature, he was hearing the, the, the reply of the trees, like it is not the echo of his own words, but it, it really is the trees chanting back. I find this story very open-minded, lovely and compassionate. Um, it, it can increase our humility when we understand uh, the trees are chanting, why I'm not able to do that. Or it can be an encouragement as well. Like we are in, in this together, the trees, bushes, bees, birds, and the wind are praising God with the language of their own. I can chant with, I can chant together with them, learn something from them and in, be inspired by their commitment. I asked a while ago, some friends and devotees, who is inspiring their chanting? One of the names that uh, was most often brought out was the name of Vishnu Priya, the wife of um, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Many devotees mentioned how inspiring it is that uh, her life was so strongly guided by chanting. Many devotees cited the story of how she would put aside one grain of rice for every mantra that she chanted. And then later she would cook that rice, eat and continue chanting. I find Srimati Visnupriya a very interesting character in Gaudiya history, because in a way she made it possible that Sri Jaitanya Mahaprabhu was able to enter the renounced life and take sannyas to become a full-time monk, a full-time preacher. So in a way, I'm thinking that Visnupriya Devi was the facilitator of Gauralila, the pastimes of Krishna Chaitanya. And um, it is also a great story about uh, the possibilities of spiritual growth. Even if we are not able to have a lot of personal association with the larger devotee community or, or our spiritual teacher, we can still advance and dedicate our life to serve our ideal up to the degree that is, it is possible and comes naturally for us in that specific moment. And if we are sometimes left behind or closed out by others. Sometimes this kind of things might happen even in our devotee communities and in our spiritual family, since we are not yet fully able to live up to our ideal here and now, every second and every minute. We are still growing, growing together. So in those moments, we can remember Srimati Vishnu Priya Devi, her union in separation and find safe house and shelter at her feet. I'm also thinking about uh, often the many Vaishnavi saints uh, of our tradition whose names have not been saved or recorded on the pages of the written history. I feel deep sadness, like, uh, like feeling of loss, not being able to connect with a big and important part of our tradition due to cultural and social reasons of previous times. I, I kind of consider these devoted Vaishnavi women of previous centuries as pioneers who have uh, been clearing a path for me and for us who are living now. And for that, I'm eternally grateful, even though I can't call them by their, by their names. I would like to finish today by a short um, text by Srila Raghunath Das Goswami, where he describes how, how indebted he is to his Gurudev. 
I will I will read that next. I am fully indebted to Sri Gurudev who gave me the holy name containing the highest form of thought, aspiration, and ideal. I am fully indebted to Sri Gurudev who gave me the service to the greatest savior, the son of Mother Satsi, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is like a golden mountain indicating the way to Krishna Lila. I am fully indebted to Sri Gurudev, who has brought me to Sri Rupa, who was ordered to distribute, distribute Rasa Tattva, and then to Sri Sanatana, Sanatana Goswami, who adjusts our position in relation to Raganuka Pakti. I am fully indebted to Sri Gurudev, who has brought me to Raja Mandala, where Radha and Govinda perform their pastimes, where the forests, hills, and every creeper, shrub, and crane of sand are stimuli to help me remember Radha Govinda. I am fully indebted to Sri Gurudev, who has given me Radha Kunda and Kiriraj Kovardhan. Aho, Sir, he has given me the assurance of all of these, so I bow, bow my head with deep respect unto her, his divine lotus feet. And there's another quote by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur that I would like to read before finishing for today. So this is from his Saranagati prayers. But somehow, uh, but somehow, by the grace of the sadhu and guru, the holy name of Krishna with its infinite prospect has entered through the holes of my ears and reached the plane of my heart. And there, with some peculiar hope, with, infi with uh, infinite auspicious possibilities, it touched my heart with a new kind of nectar. So to summarize a little, today we have talked about the importance of initiation in relation to our chanting. We are receiving the mantra from our spiritual guide and also some instructions for the chanting. So initiation is a strong symbol for acceptance. We are welcomed to a spiritual family and after that we are never alone. There are so many friends, relatives, those who are living here at the present times and those who are living in our memories and in our mind, kind of like a good friends and soulmates from another time. And uh, we learn from our teachers, who is God, who am I, what is the world, and what is the relationship between these three, and what is the meaning of life. And this, all of this sacred knowledge, these theological teachings, they are protecting our chanting and helping us to dive deeper into the transcendental, the, uh, transcendental reality. So in this way, the sacred knowledge is also guiding our chanting in the form of uh, Panchatattva mantra and Diksha mantras. Um, and um, we can study the scriptures and hear from our teachers with the intention to strengthen our chanting. And in that way, we will find the building blocks that we can use for building the temple in our hearts. All right, I think we can stop here for today. We have uh, some minutes for discussion, so I would, I would love to hear some of your thoughts and uh, experiences about chanting Mahamantra and uh, studying the scriptures with the intention and view of, um, um, of, of um, kind of um, uh, encouraging your chanting and, uh, and, and, and like that. And if there are any questions or comments in relation to this talk, I'm happy to hear them. So please feel free to unmute yourself and, uh, and talk. Haribol, it's Amkar. Haribol, Amkar. Thank you for the nice class. Um, I just had a quick correction. I think, I think as far as I've heard, I think when Vishnu Priya was chanting, she would add a bowl, um, a grain of rice into her bowl after each, each round of of japa, not after each mantra. But I'm not sure. I might be wrong also. But uh, if I'm if I'm if I'm right, then it's it's pretty impressive. But it's still pretty impressive if if you're right. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what I heard. Anyway. 
Hey, thank, thank you so much for your comment. Actually, I have heard the both stories and read the both versions as well, like uh, putting uh, uh, one rice aside after each mantra, but also like after one round, like, like you mentioned. I don't actually know like which of these versions is, is more original original so i i guess i chose the like one that is more impressive from my my personal point of view for this story but i'm glad that you brought that out and told the other story as well and and if there are are some learned uh, devotees on the call and not if I, I know there are if if you feel like contributing some something to this um this discussion feel feel free to do so Hari Paul. Okay, thank you for the wonderful class. I'm not very learned, but I was thinking that if it is for each mantra and Vishnu Priya Devi chanted like 180 uh, rounds, that's not so impressive because that's a lot of rice. <laughs> so, I mean, say like 180 grains of rice, that's not a whole lot, but 180 times 180, that's a lot of rice, I think. But anyway, either way, I noticed that Gurumach said, he mentioned this uh, point in his class, I think on Gorpurnim, I think. And he said for every mantra, but I think he might've made, made a mistake personally, because I think previously he's pretty consistently said that it's for every round. Anyway, this is uh, splitting hair, but I thought that I think that'd be a lot of, lot of rice. But then I had another comment uh, that came to my mind was that it was, I, I definitely chuckled to myself when you mentioned that um, thing about the uh, the kind of self-help thing that's so prominent in the world in the West right now. Something you said something about unlocking your you know the potential within or something, and like the Gaudiya idea of of that that same kind of thing is like very unpopular. It seems like when you think about it, like. Like if you had courses, expensive courses about being lower than a worm in stool, I don't think it would sell very well, you know. I mean, who would who would like sign up for that? But yeah, that's just my thought. But many good points. And I just want to say that I really appreciate it that you uh, structure your classes so well and like do your research really well. So thank you very much. Hey, thank you, Kurunistova, for your comment and uh, that was interesting what you shared about like how Kuru Maharaj also have told uh, both versions of the story. A question arises actually to my mind that um, it's interesting to me like um, like what kind of things do we do we find um, like inspiring inspiring like um, uh, like, do we have this more like aesthetic ideal, like eating very little and sleeping very little, and uh, that's kind of like inspiring us in our practice, or then, uh, it, because I think it can be seen the other way around, like taking good care of your sadakadea, eating enough, perhaps uh, cooking that much rice that you are able to feed your mother-in-law and perhaps some other other devotees and people around and then like happily continuing doing your practice. So, so I think it can be seen in, in, in many different directions and uh, there's, um, it's definitely worth exploring these stories, stories more. Um, now it looks to me, uh, thank you, Krishna Kumari, for being here. You have put a comment in the chat section. Um, but yeah, it looks to me that there are no more comments or questions. So thank you so much for those comments and questions that um, came up. And um, I, I hope we can continue our discussion about chanting as the prayer of the heart on next Monday, the 28th of uh, March. And there will be a slight change in schedule or timing for some of us on the European side, because in many European countries, we will turn our clocks um, in order to save daylight next Sunday. So on next Monday after the week, we are returning back to our original timetable of the classes also here in Europe. 
And the theme of the next week, we will be talking about some recommendations and encouragements uh, for chanting. So I hope to see you all there. I offer my gratitude and my wish to learn to love God at the feet of my spiritual teachers and at the feet of the Vaishnavs who are like wish-fulfilling trees full of kindness and compassion for all living beings. Sri Gaudiya Vaishnava Kuru Parampara ki jai, Kauranityananda ki jai, Harinama Mahamantra ki jai, Kaurapaktavrinda ki jai, Kaurapremanande, Hari Hari Bol. Sri Mati Hari Priyadevi ki jai, Sadhu Sangha ki jai, Hari Bol.